We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody. We are the Pettiest Bills Podcast. I'm not bright enough for all of that. Drew Gator. Because I thrive off negativity, it's just more hackery from a charlatan and a carpetbag. The Rock Pile Report. Oh, my blood pressure's rising. He gave him Coors Banquet beers out of spite. The Pettiest, Hardest Drinking Bills Podcast. I'll go to hell and back just to prove a point. To another edition of the Rock Pal Report podcast. I am your host, Bill, season ticket holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And guys, do we all feel a little bit better? Do we? Does everybody. Chris, are we all cool now? I mean, it was the Raiders. Has, ever, has everyone calmed down just a little? Say it with me, Chris. <gasps> Goo. You know what's funny? So I taught that to Jack. He says it to himself now. When, like, I tell him, I go, take a deep breath. You better calm down. And he'll go, Goosraba. And then he'll say it to Tommy. And Tommy laughs. (laughs) It's like the funniest thing that I've now, like, infected my children with this. But it's working. It makes them laugh. And then they just, like, whatever they're throwing a tantrum about, it's over. I think there's some actual science to this. I don't know. I'm just w- waiting for a call from uh, daycare to you or Larissa where uh, they call you and they're like, yeah, Jack keeps talking about these anger sharks just swimming around about uh, the bills. It's funny. And then you just go, oh, you just tell them Goose Fraba and it'll calm down. Well, it's funny you mention that because on the drive over here, my wife called me to say that uh, she had to talk to the some of the higher-ups at daycare because Jeff J- Jack yelled something else. <laughs> he yelled something else at daycare that's uh, not exactly appropriate. So both, both myself and he are going to get a little soap in our mouths later. Because so I think we both need to stop using four-letter F words. So he's, he's start, Jack's starting to 
remember what you say and put it in the bank. Yeah, bad father. I got to. Uh, I got to fix that. Gotta fix that, guys. And here's the worst part. Here's my wife, who has to be the face of our family unit, who has to answer for that. Chris, we know who the problem is, right? It's obviously me. You and only you. And yet, I don't have to be the one who goes in there and faces the music. So, in solidarity, I told Jack, I go, listen, don't cry. You're not in a ton of trouble. I understand. I'm not telling him this, but I'm like, this is more my fault than yours. So, in a sign of solidarity, I will put soap in my mouth, too. <laughs> we're going to do this together, buddy. You and me, we're going to get through this. Hold on, so you live in the 50s? Dude, is have that... you ever had pump soap put in your mouth? No. Yeah, I'll tell you what. It rocks your world. And so, when you're a you kid... Know, you know why I didn't have soap in my, in my mouth ever? Because you didn't cuss? No, because my parents loved me as a child. <laughs> it's that easy. I mean, I I would get. I'll tell, say this: this happened before I I was born. Because my brother, uh, I'm July '84. My brother Daryl is April '82. So it might have might have even been when my mom was pregnant with me. But Daryl did something, and my mom spanked him, and they both cried. <laughs> and so I never got spanked because of that emotional impact it had on my on my mom. But then my my dad would just my dad had the my dad had the like the scary yelling. Kind of like probably Dave Gear has that too. Just as a child when your dad yelled. It's all like all like you know what Bill Burr has in his bits about his yep. dad. Like your dad would come home from work and you'd be scared. That's like well, there was just when I was like things. a teenager, it was kind of like that. Well, there was just things where you're like, well, I better stay on the right side of this because if I don't, I don't know what's coming, but it's not going to be good. My life, my life would just be better if I stay on the right side of these rules and regulations. Not that I did all the time or very often. I mean, well, I wasn't a bad kid, but I wasn't great. I just knew like there were certain things you do where you go, well, he's not going to snap that badly over this. And then there were certain things where people would be like, hey, man, let's go do this. You're like, absolutely not. Because if I get caught doing that, I don't know what's going to... You may never see me again. <laughs> it's, it's not guaranteed. It's a funny thing how parenting works, right? Yeah. And it's also funny where sometimes it's like, look, look, I don't hate you, but I got a horse whip you. Like, you're just going to get it now. <laughs> it's like, that's it. I love you, but you got And And I feel like that was kind of... There was a lot of parenting, right? Like, we're having a parenting discussion. There was a lot of parenting on display in this week's football game. I can't wait to explain to you what I mean by that as we get into our week two recap. The Buffalo Bills 38, the Raiders 10. I got your stats of the game right here. Jimmy G, 16 to 24 for 66%, 185 yards, one tutty, two interceptions, no sacks, and a 68.9 QBR. Josh Allen, 31 of 37, 84%, 274, three touchdowns, no picks, two sacks, 124.5 QBR. Josh Allen, zero pass attempts of more than 20 yards through the air, 94% adjusted completion percentage. Who told you that, Charlie? <laughs> Charlie? <laughs> What's that song by Kanye West? Can't tell me nothing. (laughs) 
Sam Martin, one punt for 54 yards. He now has just two punts on the season. Tud and Dalton Kincaid against the Raiders linebackers, three of three for 32 yards, two first downs. The Bills offense, number one in the NFL this week in 12 personnel usage. 50% of the time they are in 12 personnel after being the third lowest in 2022. Which is funny because I thought that some stupid-haired radio personality came onto our podcast and said that, like, 12 per- I don't remember, Chris. Do you remember what that was all about? I do. Such a distant memory. I, I, I just, I can't recall. The tight ends and running backs for the Bills in this game combined for six first downs, 84 yards, and a touchdown against Raiders linebackers. It's almost like somebody called out that that was going to be the place where we'd kind of make a lot of hay in this football game, right? I just, I can't remember the guy's name. He was handsome, though. I do remember that. He was handsome. Uh, Definitely wasn't wildly intoxicated. Max Crosby, four pressures, four quarterback hurries, no sacks. No sacks for Max Crosby. Again, I say it, no sacks for Max Crosby. Linebacker Terrell Bernard, 45 yards in coverage. What? He allowed a team high in passing yards, all from Josh Jacobs. Uh, One interception, two solo run stops, was the highest graded run defender on our team. Josh Jacobs, negative two rushing yards for the game. Historic number. Negative two for the game. Although, don't you think, uh, I think it's historic if you take... Touches into account because didn't uh, what's his stupid face for the Bills? Um, oh, he was running Reggie Bush. Didn't Reggie Bush have a game where he just registered negative yards? Yeah, and I think that's all he had. <laughs> the Bills defense, 36 minutes, 52 seconds with allowing a point to close out the football game. It doesn't get much worse than that, does it? No. First of all, I want to thank everybody who came out to the inaugural tailgate at Dockslot. It was weird, Chris, to say the least. I like that you were there with me. It was you. Twelve attempts minus three yards. Sorry, I had to look it up. Reggie Bush. <laughs> Reggie Bush. Thirteen carry or right. no, thirteen games started. Uh, no, twelve carries, negative three yards. So Josh Jacobs is in like rarefied air. As far as how to suck at playing running back, or at least how to how to not get good blocking. For the tailgate, it was fun showing up before the guys who owned the lot, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that was our game plan. <laughs> it's like, hey guys, I need you to understand how serious I am about this. When you say like, hey, make sure you're here so that we know that you're coming above, and I go, well, don't worry, I'll be here. I This is early for me. Like, if anything, this is a... Like, for Chris, for us, we used to get to the lot around, like, 6.15. Yeah. You telling me to be there before 7 is, like, I get to sleep in for an extra 20 minutes. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for doing that. Iman made the joke, and I think he was right. I think you watched he and I struggle with this a little bit. Being on a new lot was, like, the first day at a new job. We had our old setup process down to a science. We knew where the tables went. We knew where the grills went. We knew where we did our cooking, where we served food. 
And right now, like, th- there was just a lot of standing around and trying to figure out how it was all going to fit together ergonomically, which is an outsider probably made us look like idiots, didn't it? No, you're just waiting direction from the guy that owns the lot for, like, where you can, because they had, like, uh, they were trying to get people on the side of the house or the side of the spine clinic to be able to drive through so you can't put your stuff, like, all up against the brush over there. It was, uh, it was, it was a an work, interesting, but I'll, but I'll interesting tell you what, start. But Zach was awesome about it. Like, the guy who runs the lot, Zach, was awesome about it. He's In fact, he's been great to work with, and I'm really... Chris, even if the egress process wasn't... Obviously wasn't ideal, which I think part of it was that everyone beat us out of the stadium. Like, that's it. Everybody left early. If you're talking about a game... We're so close that we should be able to beat most motorists to their cars and get out of our lot. The problem is is that traffic was in full throw when we went to leave, so that was a mess by the time we showed up. But either way, the tailgate had an awesome turnout. What, 40, maybe 50 people? Something like that. Like, and it was just great. Jake and his wife were up from Virginia. In fact, uh, first of all, some of the most well-traveled people I've ever met. I love the fact that they make time to spend their game days with us. Now, Chris, did you put any of those beers that they gave you in the fridge? Yeah, they're in the fridge. Are they down here? They should be. I don't see them. Yeah, well, I'll have to go get them. <laughs> Are they in that fridge? They could be. I'll go get them. So, he, I love the fact that he goes out of his way to, to hang out with us. And now, Jake, I'm not calling you old, but you might be more than half my age. <laughs> At least judging by the gray hair. <laughs> Jake, I love you. You know that. But... I love the fact that being all of the places you've been and having all the options you have, you choose to come hang out with us. And so when you show up bearing gifts and you're like, hey, I want you to review this on the podcast, who am I to say no? His wife went to, what is this, uh, San Diego State, the, the Jackrabbits? San, uh, South Dakota State, that was it. South Dakota, because the San Diego State the Aztecs. Super close. Uh, South Dakota State, because I, I knew the Jackrabbits were a football team. I remember hearing that, being like, the Jackrabbits, what the fuck? So they have this beer that was specifically brewed for for the Jacks. And he brought us a four-pack of it. Now it's a, uh, let's see, let's see, it's a premium beer, 16 ounces, 5%, proudly brewed. Let's see, does it say anything about what it is? Chris, it doesn't say. Do you want to join me with one? Yeah. Come on now. Get in here. Look at those hands. God, my producer could be a wide receiver if he just had any physicality outside of that whatsoever. Yeah. All right. Here we go, Chris. Bottoms up. Interesting. It's like a lager, but it's a little bit, I don't want to call it, it's not spiced. What would you say that is? I don't get any spice. No, I feel like there's a flavor there. I just don't know what... I can't put my finger on it, but that's a drink. It's still light enough that it's crushed. Like, this is a beer that I could go through a four-pack real quick at a tailgate. It reminds me of uh, Blue Moon. Okay. Maybe that's what I'm getting. Maybe there's a little coriander in there or something. I don't know. I don't know what that is, and I didn't think that you would know what that is. What, coriander? Yeah. Yeah. 
I know about Oleander, the <laughs> band. <laughs> Listen, I'm an Not adult. Oleander. Oh, this is a great beer. Now, Jake, I'm going to drink all these tonight, and then when I get home, I'm going to blame this. I'm going to blame what happens when I get home on you. <laughs> so I hope you're ready for that. Super Mexican and his wife showed up out of nowhere like they usually do because they're secret agents. They're spies. They they, they don't have real jobs. They just uh, they fly around the world kind of quietly doing either government wet work or, I'm assuming, solving international mysteries. And the government pays I heard that so. he, I heard that he writes off his hookers on his tax returns. <laughs> Here's what I know. For as much crap as I get for outkicking my coverage and like joking that I won the ugly guy lottery when it comes to my wife, if I'm a lottery winner, he's Warren Buffett. Like did, I, did, hey, listen, cheers to you, man. You killed it. Also, Jason Dietro. You hear that, Dietro? I fucking pronounced it right. He was like, he corrected me. Why did you say ditto? I said Dietro because it looks like Dietro. But did you on used paper. to say ditto? No, I just Sometimes used to say Dietro, and he goes, it's Dietro. It's Italian. And I go, if you, so, there's something look, Italian looking about your last name. Look, there's with hockey, you have a tendency to put letters in where they don't belong <laughs> and take letters out where they where they shouldn't be and. That's how what I assume that you just called him Ditto. When I walked away from that conversation with him, from as I was, I go, how many other people's names have I just been butchering, and I just don't care. So it's just it's like, how many other people's names have I butchered, dude? You are the you are the Colin Cowherd of <laughs> Buffalo Bills podcasting, in the sense of how many times you mispronounce somebody's name or just give them a brand new first name or a completely <laughs> different last name, you are what Colin Cowherd is to that for the Bills podcasting community. Pat Cleary and the boys from up north in Ottawa came down, made the finest Caesars. Chris, my first Caesar of the year. I only accept Caesars from Canadians. Did you, well, you, first of all, you, I wouldn't let an American make me a Caesar. That's disgusting. They the best, the best was that your old boss showed up, <laughs> and I told, I told Pat Cleary, I go, just make him a Caesar, and then take his current Bloody Mary and throw it away. I told him to do that. <laughs> oh man, here's what I love: people who know Pat Cleary, like he's talking to his friends, they're all totally normal human beings, and then they go. They get to know me, and they go, oh, well, here's the thing. You and Pat are the same people. Like, that's that's why you two gravitated towards it. So, Chris, here's what I know. Pat and I are the two guys in every friend group who just get too drunk, and we're too loud, and we're just a little too off the wall. But we know some other cool people, and you go, well, stick around. <laughs> I don't hate that guy. He's useful once in a while. <laughs> Pat, you and I are kindred spirits. It's 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 just hilarious. We're the raving nut jobs of our respective friend groups. Also, Florida barbecue man. Yeah, dude, nice guy. Dude, he's amazing. Nice guy, great food. He's amazing. His business down there, like I don't know what his actual catering company is called, and I wish I knew because he he holy shit did we have food, and he played a huge role in that. When someone tells me, hey, I'm going to go hang out with Jeremy White from WGR, but first I want to come to your tailgate, and then he spends most of the day with you. Yeah. Like, that's a win, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. 
Can that guy fucking cook? He made a rack. Guys, our tailgate spread was ridiculous. A rack of lamb. Did you get a lamb pop? Yeah, I did. Delicious. A pair of reverse seared tomahawk ribeyes. Had to be about, what, five pounds? I don't know. They were huge. Maybe six pounds of ribeye rubbed down with Q42 brisket. Just, just brisket rub. Just, it was incredible. Iman's patented barbecue chicken legs. Alejandro brought his handmade pastelitos that we fried fresh right there in the lot. Eric brought Topps breakfast pizza. Dan brought, first of all, Topps is the most elite breakfast pizza, but Dan showed up with this recipe for breakfast crunch wraps. It was crazy. I had that and didn't want the chicken legs because I was like, well, eggs and bacon and grease. Like, I well, want I switched that. it up by smoking two whole chickens for chicken wing dip, which I'd never done that. I've got my hands on a smoker now and I decided to give that a rip versus just doing chicken breasts in the oven. But if you do head over to our Twitter handle at Rockpile Report, I don't know if you got to see it. I did put a montage video out of the cook from uh from the tailgate with the the lamb uh, i don't think i got a shot of the lamb uh tomahawk steaks the chicken legs dan making those breakfast country wraps, and i did it all under the audio of a 1980s kfc commercial so the you, funniest you thing you can go to our twitter handle and check that out the funniest thing might be this concept right that like alejandro and f1 dave ran into each other on Saturday night out somewhere because they're like they're young guys. They're out downtown Buffalo partying, hanging out. They met each other as just strangers in the wild and started talking about where they tailgate for Bills games. And it took them ten minutes to figure out that they were talking about how they were both going to be at the same fucking tailgate. <laughs> That's crazy to me. And yet I love it. I love every second of it because I love all of these people. And even if I don't know the people like they bring, or I don't know, I know that, I think what encapsulated it the best was uh, Eric. Eric Smeal tweeted out a picture of our tailgate and just said, this is what it's all about. Fuck all that arguing shit. I love everybody. Bill's Mafia. I'm assuming that was he was well into that bottle of old Forester. <laughs> that. Dude, that thing was gone. Yeah, that old Forester, I think 1920 that he got. Yeah, if you bring whiskey you know, to our tailgate, it goes. Yeah, I, you know what I did because you don't, you never do it, and I always I always have to do it. Like, a I took a walk over to the mud lot and just stood there. I almost cried. Almost cried, almost cried over the over the the mud lot, just having gravel all up in it. But then I did take a walk over to to the mafia house, and I because I knew that that's where Joe Miller was going to be. Did you make so, fun of his skinny jeans? No, I walked up to him and I was like, "Props to your game, your jean game, sir." And then I, he was like, "Oh, hey," because he, he immediately knew that. Of course, he's going to get a jean compliment from me. And then I got to meet. Jay Spence the King, never met him before from Buffalo Rumblings. You know, we part of the fun of going to like something like the home opener is getting to meet other people in the content creation game that you have never met before. So Jay Spence, never met him before, got to talk to him. Um, Sterling Furrow, got to meet him. I think he's also on Buffalo Rumblings. And then I had a real good conversation with Justice General, who does... Some amazing video production work for the Bills fan base. So, like, there's times when I'm at the tailgate, 
I gotta fucking get out of your your space. The funniest thing is you, you left, me. and I, you, yeah. the funniest thing is you left, and I didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, I never knew you were gone. Well, you know what? You know what? F one Dave told me what back in July when uh, you did those solo shows. Yeah, it was those sucked because you weren't on it. Ah, see, you've got a fan base, Chris. They love the people love you. So Eric tweets this out about our tailgate, and all I could think of when I read that was just this idea that, like, in a world full of people who I don't know, I, I feel like there's a lot of people who feel like there's popularity to be gained from, like, well, we have a tailgate and we do the, the, the thing. The Pinto guys, I'm not throwing any shade. I'm not. Or the Bills Mafia House. I'm not. You guys do what you do the same way we do what we do. What I know is that there are a lot of people who gravitate around that who are only there because it seems like it's cool. And when you put it on Twitter and Instagram, that makes you happy. And then you can talk about, these are my friends. But they're not actually your friends. You can't have conversa- You can't hold conversations with these people. You don't care about what happens to them in their personal lives. You don't know that one of them might be trying for a third kid, even though you think it's fucking crazy. <laughs> or better <laughs> not. <laughs> he knows. But he's doing it, and I God bless him. I love it. And, like, you don't know the nuances of these people as well as you might think you do just because they're around and you take a couple photos with them. I mean, realistically, Chris, I barely take any photos. I don't care. I I want to hang. I mean, first of all, I've never cared about popularity. Look at the way I drink in public. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, had to, I had to yell at Iman because I told him, I was like, let me know when you're going to start seasoning so I can shoot some content. And he didn't do that. I'd yeah, yell at him. because we are not because <laughs> we are not that crowd. Sunday was a perfect crystallization of everything that I love about this. We got a giant crowd. We shocked the guy who owns the lot because we had such a big crowd put together. People from out of town, out of state, out of country. Like, I got to see my buddies who I've done this with for years, but I also got to see, I don't know, friends who that I've made over the years who come to these things and ultimately everyone who came genuinely looked like they were having a good time together despite most of them not knowing each other at all like putting Icy and Alejandro together might be the worst idea of all time but I love it and that's the sweet spot just a melting pot of people and jokes and ideas and age groups bound together by nothing else except for great food, booze, and a shared love of a football team. This weekend was everything, and I just want to give a huge shout-out to everybody who made this transition process to a new tailgate spot what it was. Because, uh, Craig, thanks for coming over. Thanks for making the walk. It just, it was a rough day for me emotionally. <laughs> I know that sounds stupid talking about a tailgate, but that's such a part of me and it's part of, part of what I do and what helps center me that it was nice to see everybody come out and support it. Now, if we, if we want to get to the on the field action last week, you know, I talked about parenting in the intro to the show. Last week, I talked a lot about parenting. I referred to our coaches as impotent stepdads and said that there is nobody who can rule over Josh Allen. Yikes. Looks like Allen got grounded. <laughs> and Josh Allen got sent to his room. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. There were flashes of Allen's kind of arm arrogance, if that's what we're going to call it, throughout the game. 
the Davis touchdown. How, Chris, follow me here. Does he only do this now because he's gotten away with it so many times? Yeah. He goes, I know where Gabe Davis is. Think back to the the, the Patriots, what was that, Thursday night game? Yeah, yeah. Where he's just like, oh, I know Gabe Davis is over there, so I'm going to roll to the sideline. But I'm not quitting on this play because Gabe will get open. And when he does, I'll fire this thing across my body. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck those defenders. I know my guy will box them out and get the football. And everyone met Hasselback and all these washed-up has-beens on TV want to crucify him for the past. They go, that's a stupid idea. Yeah? It keeps working. You know, to go into the future, you know who... Uh Gave some uh, insight on his arm arrogance. Hmm. Brett Favre, which will be out on oh, yeah. Go Long this Friday. As you... I, I got, I was editing it today. There will be a clip of Brett Favre discussing Josh Allen's arm arrogance in comparison to Brett Favre's arm arrogance that he had in the, had in the mid-90s. That's amazing. See, like, guys, go long TD.com. If you're not a member, go become a member. It's some of the best football. Like, I don't, in, I don't get involved in a lot of sports content outside of the stuff I create because I just don't have time for it. Like, there's bootleg, there's certain podcasters I make time for, but Brian, and I support a lot of them just by downloading the shows and doing stuff. I don't know that I consume it all, but I at least support it. Go Long TD might be some of the best stuff out there right now. And this thing he's doing with Favre, although, Chris, the, uh, the hey, I'm quitting, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> shut, shut. Oh, my God, I can't. I'm not going to get into it, but holy crap. His no-look touchdown pass to Shakir. He's literally got his head down, and he just stands up and whips this ball in there. His arm arrogance was on display. But at the same time, when you watch a running back and the tight ends and your second wide receiver just steal the show, where your quarterback is the thing everyone's talking about because they're comfortable talking about him being the star, but all of a sudden you're starting to see the talent of those individual players. When's the last game you've watched for the Bills where you didn't say, like, obviously you walk away from this one going, Josh Allen's the most talented guy in the field. Mm -hmm. But when's the last time you didn't look at a game and go, oh, man, there's a lot of talent on this offense. Like, that guy has chops. This guy did a great job. Look Look at the amazing job this player did on more than one play. This is a rarity what just occurred. And I'm hoping it's more the norm than anything else. I mean, look, you got to see James Cook for who he was. First of all, that pass blocking that we talked about, that it was keeping him off the field, mm-hmm. looked damn good to me. He crushed some guys. I mean, he cut them low, but he got them down. Not when, Nick Chubb low. <laughs> is it too soon to joke about that? No. He says no. <laughs> He did the job that was asked of him. Was he, you know, was he a stalwart? No, but I don't expect him to play like a fucking fullback. Look how small he is. The fact is, he did an amazing job of getting low or boxing out or being a problem or chipping an edge. He did everything you would want from a pass protection standpoint for a running back. He had no glaring holes in his game in that regard. 
And that's the reason he was kept on the field for so long. And that allowed us to see everything else in his game. His speed, his ability to beat defenders to the edge, running routes with change of direction to get away from a linebacker, get open, and just turn up field. That's what you drafted him for, and you're finally seeing it. Because he got the other piece of his game ironed out enough that you trust him. Is that fair? Seems fair. Okay. All of the running backs played a role. Every single one of them. It showed you. We got to see how multifaceted this running back group really is. Damian Harris with bursts both as a running back and a kick returner. Kick returner Damian Harris. Was that a thing you had on your bingo board this year? No. Murray. Just being Latavius Murray, they're like, well, we want him active on game days because sometimes we're going to put him in in the red zone and let him just batter around in there. Yeah, dude doesn't have a whole ton of carries in in the course of his career, so he can still take those hits. Because he's never been a starter, quote-unquote. He's never been a feature back. And he's huge. He's 6'3". He is the size of the linebackers who are trying to tackle him. So... He's just rugged. He can catch out of the backfield. That play where he stretched out and tried to make the pylon, I was impressed as hell. And then just, I don't know, just the idea that this unit as a whole has probably been the most cohesive I've ever seen it. Like when Devin Singletary and James Cook were trying to work together last year, Singletary was the guy you turned to when you threw it on first down and it didn't work. Or you'd run it on first down and go, okay, if you can get four... It'll make things easy. Watching Cook operate this past week, I say to myself, okay, if you actually want to make him a featured part of this offense, I the, the bar is set higher now. I Now I'm looking to where are the home run plays? Where And they're coming. You can see it. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. But like, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He has reset the bar in terms of expectations for this running back room. He did it. He was starting to do it last week, and it was overshadowed by Josh Allen's poor performance. This week, you got to see just how impactful he can be. Then you pivot to the offensive line, and you go, oh, look at the game they played. Max Crosby. Max Crosby was the guy who, I don't want to say won the Raiders the game, but six pressures, I think it was two sacks against the the Raiders when the Raiders played the Broncos week one. Yeah. He ate that tackle up. 
McGlinchey. The Bills were like, well, we're not going to let you do that to us. Yeah, the McGlinchey, who got paid a ton of money in free agency, by the way. The Bills said, nah, we're not going to let you do that. We have a plan. We're going to chip, and we're going to call a lot of things, and we're going to move Josh Allen around in the pocket. We're going to call bootlegs, and you're never going to touch our quarterback. And he didn't. The offensive line did a great job. Osiris Torrance belongs in the NFL. You know what I know about Torrance? Mm -hmm. I haven't heard his name all season. No. And I think that falls in the same category of the same reasons why you don't want to hear Reed's name. Because if yep. you hear Reed's name, you're not doing good. I have not heard anything. <laughs> I have, I don't even think I've seen anything from cover one as far as film breakdowns. So I'm assuming he's off to a hell of a start. We finally, uh, Brandon Bean finally hits on a uh, offensive lineman in the draft. I mean, maybe it's two games. So we'll see. It's early, but based on how, first of all, the bar was set. We want to talk about bars being set. The bar was pretty low. <laughs> this like, hey, even if he's mediocre, it's better than what you did before. Except for Wyatt Teller, who you traded away, which is cool. We're we're totally over that. We're not even thinking about it anymore. But to watch Torrance play the way he plays through two weeks against, you know, obviously he goes up against the Jets. He has a decent day. Goes up against the Raiders. Has a great day. At least a good one. And then the movement of the offensive line. Like, that might have been my favorite part about watching all this transpire. Was just from the stands, watching the way our offensive line just... In fact, if you guys want to go back and re-watch this, on the runs where Cook got his chunk yards, there's multiple occasions where there's blockers out ahead of him to pave the way. And those could some of those could have been house calls if a guy didn't make a really, really nice play or if Cook just had a little more nuance to his recognition of like, okay, I need to be a little bit farther, be like outside, push this crease a little bit wider and maybe follow that blocker just a little bit farther. I just feel like they're right there, Chris. <laughs> That's it. And if the offensive line gets used to this sort of aggressive approach and Cook's vision acclimates, we could start to see that 4-4 speed create some more legitimate highlight reel plays in the running game. Who was the last running back? Do you know who was a home run threat? Who was the last one? It has to be C.J. Spiller, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's as long as he got to the outside. Uh, sure. He only had one place he was useful. What about before C.J. Spiller? Couldn't tell you. Okay, so we have a real like a rarity for what this Bills offense has been, and the offense has been pretty damn good. We have one on our hands here, and then I just love the layered approach to passing the football. There was options every down. There was options in the flat. There was a secondary and a tertiary option. Like it wasn't just hey go find Stephon Diggs. Week one, it was a lot of like. Cool. Stephon Diggs had over 100 yards week one. Did we win the football game, Chris? No. Did we really struggle to move the ball at times? Yeah. Okay. Did we leave a lot of meat on the bone because it was guys open who you just were not recognizing and throwing the ball to? Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
So you come into a game like this and you go, wait a minute, Josh was like really tuned into what was going on at the second level and the third level of what his progressions were supposed to be. I don't know. It was one of the best things I've seen from a Bills team since 2020. And it all centered around this idea where they were like, fuck you, there's no deep routes today. (laughs) Go to your room, Josh. There are no deep routes for you. It's like if I refuse to eat my dinner and they go, fine, fuck you, no dessert. We're all going to sit here and eat ice cream in front of you. You don't get any. It's this is what happened to Josh, and it might be the best thing for him and the best thing for the Buffalo Bills. And maybe it was somewhat self-imposed. You know, he he made some comments to the media over the course of the week about how he's and I find this hard to believe because you see Josh. Josh is a fiery competitor. <laughs> that dude, in terms of competition, he fucks. And what. I love is that he went out and told the the media during you know early you know, practice. He does a presser early in the week, and he goes, "Oh, I didn't see any of that stuff." They were like, "Oh, about the Jets stuff coming out of the game." He was like, "Oh, I didn't see any of it. I didn't see any of it. I don't look at that." And he goes, "If anything, I was excited. I was excited about the yeah, Chris. I was excited in that moment." He goes, because I know that when I can, he's like, when I know I can do better, I do. <laughs> I just go out and do better. And that's all I need. And, you know, I heard that in the run up to this football game. And I go, first of all, it's bullshit. You absolutely went on social media. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this guy just has such big D energy that he just walks around with this like, man, I am really down on myself. I'm going to use that as fuel, and I am just going to explode all over this next team. (laughs) I'm excited to get back to work and do what I did differently. Because whatever it was, team-imposed, self-imposed, it was one of the best offensive performances I've seen since 2020. And the thing is is that we both raced an opponent, but not like 2020 where it was splash plays down the field, with explosive passing plays and John Brown taking 40 yarders into the end zone. And instead it was much more terrifying for opposing defensive coordinators. We suffocated. We were suffocating is the word for it. Look at the third quarter, Chris up by 11. The bills get kickoff at halftime. We go down the field, score seven more points. Then Take the ball away from Vegas after four fucking plays. And then didn't give the ball back to them until the 1456 mark of the fourth quarter. As the Bills were tacking on another field goal. So now you you were up 11. You get the ball. By the time your opponent gets to touch it in a meaningful fashion, they're down by 21 points. The the Raiders had the ball for two minutes of the third quarter. That's it. A single first down and two minutes of offense for the Raiders in the second half in that third quarter. And by the time they got it back, there's fuck all they can do about it. You're down by 21. What are you going to do now? 21 might be... Chris, we've looked around the NFL. The Chiefs didn't score 21 this weekend. 
The no. Raiders obviously didn't score 21. There was a lot of teams that struggled to get over 20 points. We put you into that deficit, and you didn't get to touch the football. The pressure. You've ever heard the phrase, pressure breaks pipes? No. Okay. Well, it's a thing. They talk about it a lot in baseball. It's usually the sport where it gets brought up and because they go, listen, high-pressure situations, some guys just crack. You go, that pitcher who is usually so solid, well, just a lot of pressure, and he folded. You know, he left a hanging curve, and some guy took it for a ride. That pressure just imploded what the Raiders' offense wanted to be in the second half. <laughs> it just They only got the ball once in an entire quarter. They literally squeezed the life out of them, and it's de- that's demoralizing. And if the Bills can be that kind of football team, like if they can run this two tight end and running back powered offensive structure and become this anaconda of a football team where they just squeeze you to death because they go, listen, we are going to dink and dunk, and we're going to play small ball, but also our quarterback is ridiculous. He's John Elway reincarnated John Elway's not dead, but... (laughs) We get it. It's just one of those things where I looked at this and said, if you can do this, even against talented teams, you do more of this, it's going to open up the deep stuff you want to do, that Josh loves to do, that he's known for. It's that thing of where we have to get him comfortable making these decisions and living like this, because that's going to put you in that Mahomes category. That's what Mahomes does, isn't it? Yeah. And then he throws the the bombs. And the defense wasn't perfect, but they won where it counted, on the scoreboard. It was a patented grapple of performance. He did everything I expected him to. Like he avoided the middle of the field at all costs. Which <laughs> helped nullify Hunter Renfro, which that guy has to be pissed, doesn't he? I'd think so. You know you're a great wide receiver who was a star when Derek Carr was there, and now you have what, like three catches through two weeks? Yeah. Check down Charlie. It's awful. He didn't take any sacks, but just fed his running back a lot of check downs that didn't really make a difference in the game. Like, I don't know. And it was there was a funny thing about this that stood out to me about the defense. I thought back to another Week 2 game against the Giants back in 2019. It was when we won the Battle of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Okay. We go in. We go into MetLife Stadium against the Giants. We allow this super easy touchdown drive to start the game, and everyone's pissed. I'm pissed, or I'm screaming at the TV. And then the team rallies on the next drive on offense, and they tie the game. And then the defense proceeds to give the Giants no points and shuts them out until the fourth quarter. It's like, hey, the, it's almost like Sean McDermott's such a good coach that he goes, hey, listen, we have a plan, but also we'll pivot. Just let 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 them show us their best scripted drive. Fuck them. <laughs> let them burn this, and then we're going to get into our game plan. And when they do it, nobody has an answer. Especially not mediocre offenses with mediocre quarterbacks. And I just I thought about that as this game was playing out. And for as few pressures as the Bills put up on paper, the defensive line had a really nice game, especially Ed Oliver. Chris, you're not a guy who's huge on Ed Oliver, are you? I don't know where you... Let's see. You know you know what I told you earlier, that you're the Colin Cowherd of Bills yep. podcasting, where you just make shit up or mm-hmm. get things... I've never said that. You've I've never was, said that? I've never said that. Okay. 
So you've never there might be a Twitter an, account. There might be an instance where I'm like, I don't get his, I don't understand his game. After he signed his contract, you were like, I don't understand. No. Okay. All right. There might be games where I'm like, you know, what are you doing? But I'm, I've never hated. You never said you don't like him. No. Okay. That's you, fair. Yeah. You just make shit up. <laughs> Here, here's what I like is that there's a lot of people who sound like that right now today who are like, well, I never said that. I, I never said that I didn't like Ed Oliver. I'm imagining that like Jeff Pollock is probably out there right now kind of rethinking, at least rethinking his stance on him. Because Jordan Phillips has been nice, but Ed Oliver through two weeks has been playing like the guy you gave a contract extension to. You know, that's the guy that everyone looks at third-year quarterbacks and goes, oh, wow, they're going to take a next step. Here's the year, Justin Fields. <laughs> Ed Oliver has taken that step at least through two games. And it's been kind of like the opening snap of the game on Sunday, Chris. It's Ed Oliver just right up the gut of the offense Drive. He doesn't even have to tackle the running back. He just drove the like Connor McGovern backwards into the running back so hard that he fell down. That was it. <laughs> so just being a bully, right? Four yard loss right there. And before halftime, he pressures Jimmy Garoppolo. Damn near gets a safety. He has to throw the ball, check it down, helps get the ball back so that we can, you know, before we head to the locker room, we have possession and we score before halftime. And that's what sets us up to just run away with it in the second half. He was just great. And it's just this idea that the defensive line as a whole played a very complete game. Epinesa showed up. He had that play where he blocked the dump off on third and five to force a punt. Daquan Jones had a big tackle for loss. Rusak, Rusak, which is what I'm going to start calling Russo, has a sack. Like, they tandem played. One, two. That ends a drive. Forced the field goal in the second quarter. Those are the last points they score. The D-line had a really nice day. Really nice day. And then... Milano mossing that guy. Chris, he mugged that guy for that interception. I'm not sure I'll see a better interception all season long. (laughs) The guy had his back to Milano, and Milano came over his shoulder and just took it away from him. Like, there's no other way to describe what happened. He mugged that guy. And then Terrell Bernard didn't, again, not looking like a liability. Tip ball, he's opportunistic, he finds a way to rein it in. I think that the way the linebackers played really settled everybody in, right? As far as if you had concerns about this football team or at least what the linebacker core was going to be, this game was one of those where you look at it and go, okay, obviously they don't have stars. Week one was a little rocky. Bernard got washed out by some guard play. He picked the wrong hole, but in week two, he was much more solid. So where might he be by week 10? Because that's what I care about. Mm-hmm. Like mediocre linebacker play. We talked about it in the offseason during a podcast. This concept that there's a lot of mediocre line play that, or linebacker play that does make the playoffs. Where is he week 10? That's what I want to know. And I like the fact that we have... He'll be on IR. That's where he'll be. <laughs> and we have Christian Kirksey waiting on the practice squad just in case that doesn't pan out. 
Now we have depth, we have proven depth, we have guys that we think we can trust, and at the same time, Terrell Bernard's panning out relatively. I I got I got no complaints. I got nothing. It was a banner fucking day. Banner day. So with that in mind, the hero of the day is not Josh Allen, who won AFC Player of the Week for a Bills franchise record 11th time. Jim Kelly's record was 10. Although, Chris, did they keep that like AFC Player of the Week? How long Do you know how long they've been giving that out? No, I don't. Not at all. Uh, so Offensive Player of the Week. Jim Kelly was only ever awarded 10. Allen just won it for an 11th time, but he's not the hero. The hero is Ken Dorsey. Don't take it personally, all right? Franchise star players are a lot like Highlanders. There can only be one. There can only be one Ken Dorsey. One of the biggest complaints that I think most Bills fans have had, or at least I've had, (laughs) since 2021, every time we lose a fucking game, is that it looks like Josh is trying to push a rock uphill with our offense, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Looks like he's getting no help. It looks like there's no creativity. They're not doing enough in the flats. They're not doing enough with running backs or tight ends to help him out. That literally it felt in those moments, it feels like Josh is forced to try to will offense into existence. Two weeks now, Dorsey has illustrated that he can build a layered and multifaceted offensive approach. It doesn't have to be sexy. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. I don't have to be Eric Bieniemy. I don't have to be Andy Reid. Literally, I just have to, hey, you're going to line up with two tight ends in the field. They're going to occupy the linebackers, and you're going to check it down to a running back who's super fast and let him make a play. I don't think it can get much easier than that, can it, Chris? No. Like, like especially when you're used to seeing opponents who line up in this deep cover, too, and just basically don't respect the skill of our secondary and tertiary skill players. That's who killed the Raiders. It wasn't Stefan Diggs that massacred the Raiders. It was Dalton Kincaid. And it was Dawson Knox. And it was James Cook. And it was Damian Harris. And it was all of these guys who you never hear, you would never expect to hear all of their names called in a game all at the same time. It, it It was those guys, Gabe Davis. It was these guys who sank their boat. And that, all of the credit has to go to Ken Dorsey, in my mind, anyway. Because whether it was by his own choosing or whether he was brought to heel by the staff, Josh bought in to playing small ball, and you can't fuck with those results. A 94% Adjusted completion percentage. If you take out, if you take out pure throwaways, ninety four percent, thirty eight points. It's almost like if you give those guys opportunities, they'll just make. They'll do the heavy lifting too, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess like for all the people that deserve their flowers this week, Torrance, you know, Kincaid, Cook. It's finally time for me to give Ken Dorsey some love because this was a creative gem. It really was. And there's not a lot of defenses in the NFL that can stack up against that approach when your quarterback actually fucking uses them. 
And if our secondary can stay healthy and gel the way our front seven has over the past two weeks, you're looking at the makings of a Bills team that could be dominant. So good for you, Ken Dorsey, because you deserve this. Now, as far as zero of the week, I have an honorable mention, just because you make us all look like jerk-offs. And that's the guy who fell in the, like in an acid-fueled frenzy, fell into the, the hole that is the new Bills stadium like Andy Dwyer. You don't think that's going to happen again? We should have done over-under on somebody trespassing into the new stadium. That's going to happen <laughs> again. Somebody else will do that. They might not be com- covered in human feces. Covered but- in human feces, drunk, with cocaine, LSD, and what else in their system? I don't know, methamphetamines. I mean, right. Jesus Christ, dude. The, there's, a, there's a rule that goes around my family tree, and here's what we talk about. You break one law at a time. <laughs> you break one law. You don't break more than one, because that's when bad things happen. You break one law at a time. This guy just went whole hog. <laughs> it's like, you know what I can do? I can do all the drugs. Chris, where are this guy's friends? Doesn't have any. Kind of like you. Is that how you end Yeah, but I've never ended up in a porta potty covered in feces at the bottom of a hole. So- Yet. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Which obviously makes national news and makes us Bills fans look like jerk offs again. Again. We all look like turds because of one guy who can't hold his booze. It's wild to me that this continues to happen. How do you do you think this is going to happen again? Like, 100%. Legitimately. 100%. What makes you feel that way? It's Buffalo. You know how close we are to Tonawanda? <laughs> you don't think some hang on. piece of shit from Tonawanda is going to gather all their their welfare pay and have, and get all their quarters out of their couches and hang on, take have, donations? Have we verified where this guy's from? No, but I would put money on it either <laughs> Tonawanda or North Tonawanda. I love the open disdain you have for Tonawanda and how many of our listeners it's a are like, shitty hey, place. don't talk about my home. It's a <laughs> shitty place. You don't ever want to live or be anywhere near Tonawanda. It's a <sighs> shithole. The funny thing is you'd think that's as low as it can get for a week as a Bills fan. Yeah. And yet the Buffalo Bills PR department has found a way to trump that. You folks fell on your face. You get an F minus in my book. Now... I want to preface this by saying my beef with them has been brewing for, it's been festering for a while. I've got a big problem with the Buffalo Bills PR department. And it, it's got to be spoken on in the wake of Sunday's game. It has to be. First of all, Chris, you and I are season ticket holders. Yep. Have been for a decade. Every year leading up to this one. It, and again, this, for, for those of you who might hear this and go, oh, you sound like a, you just sound like you're whining. This sounds like entitlement. No, 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 no. What it is is I'm giving the team a lot of my cash. And every year they usually send you like a, they'll send you something, you know, an acknowledgement letter, like a, hey, thanks for giving us all your money. We're really excited about an upcoming season. And then something, here's a keychain. Some years they'd send you a box with a lot of nice graphics and stuff, something you can hand the kid, and the kid goes crazy about it. And it's like, hey, here's a small flag. Go run around with that. Something. Just to acknowledge the fact that you are giving them hundreds and hundreds of dollars that nobody else is to watch a football game. 
This year they sent nothing <laughs> to anyone. I even asked Mark's Mark, who sits in the the the, the club seats, you know, because he's rich, uh, and nothing. Not even a, an acknowledgement of his con- contribution or his existence. Not even like a rah-rah, hey, like, let's get excited about the upcoming season. Thanks for being a season table. Nothing. They're just like, hey, thanks for your money. Fuck you. Which, I get it. It's the NFL. I don't expect much more than that. But then you go a little bit farther. And, Chris, they used to give us a complimentary subscription to NFL Game Pass. Because we're at the stadium all day. So on the days when we're there, we might have to go back and rewatch some of the games that were on TV or like this is a deterrent. Like it's to make you feel like you're not missing out on stuff that was on broadcast TV when you're at the stadium. This is an incentive for you to continue showing up. They would give you a free subscription to at the time it was called Game Pass. Now it's called NFL Plus. Well, now they've moved it to a 40 percent discount. At a. But, but what's funny is if I go to Game Pass right now, just to the web, NFL.com, and look at what the cost is, it's seventy nine ninety nine. The league email where they send you as a season ticket holder and the team or the team email goes, hey, you can get this subscription for 40% off. It's ninety nine ninety nine, And you go, wait a minute, did you just increase the price of something 20% just so you could... Like, you increased it by $20 just so you could make me feel like I'm getting a better deal? I'm going to pay the same thing these other rubes are paying. Like, Chris, doesn't that, isn't that kind of insulting? Sounds like it. They go, hey, we're going to give you this huge 40% discount. It's 20%. Oh, but you increased the base price in order to make me, like, I'm, like I'm going to see the percentage and go, oh, man, the bills are giving me such a deal. Man. Like, I'm a rube. It's it's almost insulting, which is why I haven't signed up for it yet. I, have, I inevitably will. And you know what? Fuck them. I'll pay the extra $20 just to say I didn't take their stupid promo code. Fuck you guys. I'm not an idiot. We still have zero clarification about the PSL process. Although, I was really, really happy to hear that my buddy Dan is going to buy a PSL. If it's made available to us. Even though he would, because he's got the four kids, he can't commit to a whole season anymore. I love that he's in. He's back. Like it, it. Like when he said that, I just got happy. Like it just made it made me smile involuntarily. Chris, they ran. We get to the stadium. They ran out of game day programs. Makes sense. I didn't get one. No, like, no one had them. I asked the guy at the gate when I walked in, and I go, oh, there's no programs? He goes, oh, yeah, we ran out like an hour and a half ago. I go, wait a minute. It's it's 1230. It's 1245. How did you run out an hour ago? He's like, well, they, they just didn't print enough. Chris, it's the home opener, and it's a sold-out stadium. You didn't print enough. You didn't print enough programs? Are you poor? Are the Buffalo Bills poor? I'm starting to wonder. Like, all of the signs are starting to stack up. But then the the the, the, the real piece de resistance, oh, chef kiss. Every game, home game, they try to honor a, they call them legends of the game. And they bring in a former Bills star, a notable name, a player who was a fan favorite. And they have them in to, 
you know, lead the, you know, the, the where would you rather be than here, right here, right now, lead a chant, energize the crowd. It's a cool way to get older fans like Chris, guys our age. Like, yeah. you get fired up when you see Takiyo Spike. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah, this is amazing. They bring Takiyo Spikes to the game. They have him give this big rah-rah speech. And then they stick him in a suite that has obstructed view. <laughs> hey, Takiyo, come to our stadium and energize the crowd. And also, you can only watch the game between the 20-yard line and the 40-yard line. <laughs> so he takes to Twitter and tweets out a photo of himself sitting in his seat with the abutment of the upper deck clearly in front of his view. He's like, I can't see that end zone. I can't see past the 40 on this side of the year. And he was like, sorry, I didn't stay till the end. I left early because I can't see the game. How fucking embarrassing is that? Yeah, it's embarrassing. I saw the photo. They were talking about it on uh, Drive Time Radio in Canada. This is it. You've made national news for being terrible at your jobs. If the Bills PR division, not their social group, I don't want to get it twisted. The social media group is a great group of guys and they do a lot of hard work. But the actual PR and marketing group were film characters. They would absolutely be Cheddar Bob from 8 Mile because they cannot stop shooting themselves in the legs. That's it. Anytime you give them an opportunity to not fuck something up, they're like, bah, well, watch me. <laughs> watch this. The worst, Chris, is the impact that it has and the fact that it adds to this narrative that we as a fan base are just a clown show. And that they're like, oh, look how they treat the... F they called this guy a legend to the game and look how they treat him. It makes you look like a joke of an organization. I'm really tired of this. The way they treat the fans, the way they treat former players, the way all of this has been put together. It's just a mess. Like, I love Terry Pagula and I love the fact that he bought the Bills. I don't, I'm not one of these people who's like, oh, Terry Pagula, he needs to sell the team, he needs to do this, blah, 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 blah. But what you have to understand is that your crew is the reverse King Midas in terms of how to put on an event and how to entertain your fan base and how to make people, anyone, not just fans, but former players, anyone adjacent to the team, feel like they're appreciated. You are the reverse King Midas in the fact that anything you touch turns to crap. They took Marv Levy, Chris, when he came in during the playoffs and gave the... They stuck him not even in a suite. They put him in a section with a bunch of rowdy 20-year-olds, and it was too much for him, and he had to leave the game early. This is a joke of a department, and they should all be ashamed of themselves. I regret nothing. I will bang on these people until they're all either unemployed, no longer employed with the team, or until the team just comes out and admits, we don't care about you. We don't care about anybody. We just push papers, put names down on paper, and we drag people out in front of you to say something cool. Say that. Don't insult my intelligence. Don't pretend that you value me, that you value Takiyo Spikes, that you value Marv Levy. It's an insult. And you people are a joke. Any final thoughts, Chris? You <laughs> can't put a bow on what this game. No, end the show right now. 
<laughs> Guys, I couldn't have asked for a better day of football, a better morning for tailgates. Last week, when I brought up the offensive struggles of the Giants, they went six quarters through halftime. <laughs> six quarters through halftime of this week's games, scoring zero points. That's wild. And like when all the people who were like, oh, Brian Dable, and I go, well, at least we're not on that train. <laughs> at least we're not that offense. We aren't in that realm. We are a much better team because we have talent. Okay? Say what you want about the coaching staff. We have talent. On a weekend, whereas we're going to talk about in more detail in this week's AFC's Roundup podcast, the Chiefs and Jaguars almost played each other to a fucking stalemate. And the rest of the league, like, no one could score a point in that game. And the rest of the league was ravaged by injuries. The Bills not only flex the power of what their offense and entire roster on offense can be, when it comes to ball control offense, they did it without having to unleash the secret weapon, without having to pull out Brett Favre of Josh Allen. <laughs> the nuclear Favre-esque Josh Allen that just comes out and it's Hail Mary balls and it's, hey, although Chris, he did try to jump a bunch of guys at the goal line. They also showcased that despite all the criticism, okay, their star quarterback does have it within him to play within the structure of an offense. And then once in a while, let his, like even within the structure of that, let his unique physical tools create the fireworks when he has to. The Gabe Davis touchdown, the Shakir touchdown, the, some of the passes that he was able to make. There was another one to Gabe Davis where it's like, holy shit, that throw is incredible. And there's two guys in the NFL who can make it. That development right there, more so than anything else, might be what ultimately changes the the entire season outlook for the Buffalo Bills in 2023. The idea that Josh, you know, Bruce Nolan tweeted about how he's going to talk about it, and it's the perfect analogy. He's like, it's when Happy Gilmore learned how to putt. That's when you become dangerous. Guys... I love it. I loved this week. I love this game. But for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your Rockpile Report. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.